2: The Athletic.
3: Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just four pounds a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivalled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q and A's with Athletic staff, and ad-free versions of all of the Athletics podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com/totally.
4: Totally Football Show. Never mind the sedition in Washington. Here's this edition of the Totally Football Show. With today, storming stuff in the League Cup, with Stone Age tactics taking Man City through to the final. Capital action in the FA Cup as Plunging Pool returned to the Villa, and we witness the biggest David v Goliath ever as eighth-tier Marine host Spurs. We ask, are they the most dangerous Marine since Vasquez? Plus, there's Arsenal, Newcastle, Phil Neville's future, Milan, Juventus, and much, much more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power Hello there listener It is Thursday the 7th of January and off we go with another Totally show featuring today Duncan Alexander of Joe. Hello James Dominic Fifield of The Athletic Hello James and Karen Carney of Arsenal, Chelsea, England and the BBC and Leeds social media stream. How are you Karen?
5: Good thank you
4: Karen, you're going to be extremely busy uh, this week with the FA Cup, is that right?
5: Yeah, um, covering a few games this weekend, so yeah, I am pretty excited actually, but uh, probably not as excited as uh, as Birmingham fan. Well, I am a Birmingham fan, but we've got Man City, so uh, I'm not looking forward to that.
4: Man City, because they're having quite the run of results at, at the moment, as we'll discuss shortly. Uh, Crystal Palace will be in action in the FA Cup third round, of course, as will Wickham Wanderers, who've made it through to the third round again. A hey, Duncan?
6: Yeah, we beat Oxford in the playoff to start in the third round at Wembley back in July,
4: um, and finally <laughs> here it is, yeah. Right, so this is the first time that you've actually entered the competition at this point, courtesy of your new role as a championship team.
6: Yeah, I mean, obviously for a club like Wickham, for a long time in non-league, even reaching the first round was a big achievement and occasionally getting to the third round. Um, so, yeah, just sort of starting the third round is quite glamorous, although we have essentially got the worst sort of tie you can get, which is a home tie against a team in your division who you've recently played. We played them in the FA Cup, Preston, a few years mm. ago, and then obviously Preston have decided to make it even worse this week by um, signing Ched Evans on loan. So it's not, not sort of game... That's going to leap out of the leap off the page for the for the glamour of the third round. I think
4: right that fixture, leaping off everyone's pages, might just be Marine against Spurs. You can probably empathise with with their uh, with their excitement all the way down to the eighth tier as they host one of the top teams in the Premier League. We'll be uh, we'll be having a, a proper look at Marine and their chances a little bit later on. But of course, there's been cup action already uh, this week. The FA Cup's bitter rivals, the League Cup pulling a bit of a fast one and staging their semi-finals before the FA Cup third round even gets underway. What happened? A couple of 2-0 wins. Spurs beating Brentford. And then Wednesday night, Man City winning their derby with Man United by the same scoreline. Setting up a Spurs-Man City final in April. A pep against Jose...
6: It's funny because they are the two managers that take this competition really, really seriously. Um, you know, obviously, Mourinho used it in his first season at Chelsea to kind of establish himself in in the Premier League, and and Guardiola's kind of taken the League Cup more seriously than any man has since the 1980s. Really, you know, City hardly ever play a weakened team, and uh, yeah, if they win it again, it'll be he'll be the first manager to win it four years in a row.
4: All right. They looked pretty impressive Wednesday night against Man United, who themselves contributed to a really excellent game. Nil-nil at half-time. Both teams with plenty of chances and the the open football continued in the second half. What swung this game in Man City's favour, do you think? Karen?
5: Just a clinical edge um, for me. I think something a lot of people have said uh, the last two weeks before the Chelsea game they've started to gel, but... For me, I watched them against Southampton. They were definitely starting to build um, and get stronger over the last couple of weeks. And I just think with that fantastic result against Chelsea. Confidence is high, momentum's high. And I just think they just had the clinical edge. They just took their chances. And, you know, against top teams, the margins are really, really small. And to concede against a set play for Manchester United, that would have been disappointing. And then it's hard you get the ball back and how do you break this team down? And the city is pretty solid defensively now.
4: Yeah, you you mentioned the fact that City's revival goes back before certainly that first half against Chelsea at the weekend. And In fact, when you go back to the defeat they had away at Spurs, since that game, that was when, in, in November, I think, they've won nine matches, drawn three, lost none, scored 24 and only conceded three. And John Stones' return, uh, is that is that fair to call that a massive part of that?
5: Uh, he's been in my dream team the other day. Uh, I got criticised for that um team of the year. I just think like I said, well, watch him live at Southampton. He was outstanding. And him and Diaz have been rock solid. Um and it's that saying that kind of clean sheets um goals win your games but clean sheets win your championships and they've had to sort that out. And he's just come in there with he looks re energized, he looks hungry. And you could tell by his celebration last night it means something to him. They've got that spark back Manchester City and haven't seen that for quite a while, um, but they look like they want to be out there. They look hungry.
4: How important is the fact that him coming in means that Fernandinho, for example, can revert to a midfield role?
5: I just think you know uh, Fernandinho is he, the defensive midfielder, but I think it gives Rodri confidence as well that when you're always checking your shoulder and you're not comfortable with people behind you or there's an anxiety, it does spread throughout the team. And I think, like I said, they've got the confidence now and. Um, I just like how they're playing as well. They, you know, against Chelsea, they played with without really a centre-forward. Lots of midfielders. If you look at Zinchenko. I watched him five years ago in Holland. He played as an attacking midfielder. You've got Foden, who's in the midfielder. Kevin De Bruyne, who's a midfielder. All playing. He's got so many midfielders and they just dominate. And um, they've been a joy to watch over the last month or so for me.
6: Yeah, I mean, this, John Stone's revival is is really impressive but also extraordinary I don't think I've ever seen a player's form go down so much and then completely bounce back and you, you know his partnership with Ruben Diaz you know a lot centre-halves often do come as pairs you know one one does some of the stuff the other one does does the other and I think you know John Stones is now looking like the player everyone thought he was going to be a few years ago 10 clean sheets in 13 games that he's played for City this season and you know that obviously gives confidence to the rest of the team they they kind of Managed to pull Fred and McTominay apart quite well last night, and that basically opened up lots of space. And yeah, from from looking kind of a bit moribund a month or so ago, they now you know arguably probably should be favourites for the title, and and certainly favourites to at least pick up uh, one or two trophies this season. They, they
7: do look quite ominous, don't they, on the shoulder of of uh, Liverpool and Manchester United at the top of the the, the Premier League. You'd be worried if you were. If you felt that City were building up a momentum and belief behind you with with games in hand as well, and, and as Duncan says, it was it was about partnerships. Um, there was one moment, ironically, just after John Stones had been hugely praised by I think the, the, the pundit or the co-commentator at Old Trafford, where he did actually make a mistake and 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 United got a cross in, and, and who was it that was who was basically saving his. His bacon. It was it was Ruben Diaz diving in in the middle, and and they just working well together. When one of them makes a, a slight error, the other one helps out and and eradicates it, and that 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 really bodes well. But the whole unit is clicking, and and without a focal point to their front line as well. And I think that's again that bodes well for for Pep Guardiola. And when you see um, Foden playing out of his skin, De Bruyne is just just a different class to everybody at the moment. Some of the passes that he's conjuring and uh, and and shots from distance. That shot against the post um, on uh, on Wednesday night was was stunning. Uh, they they look a real force again, and they've really sort of found their rediscovered their mojo on the quiet, and and, and now look a real threat.
4: Tom, how much substance is there to these reports of uh, De Bruyne's disgruntlement at his uh, contract extension offer?
7: I, I suspect it's just another contract extension. There's a contract negotiation. Mm. A, a tactic um from his representatives uh, uh he'll get the deal i mean why would city to let him go he's he's arguably the best midfielder in the world i mean he's it, you pay him what what uh what he deserves and what he merits and i'm sure they will i mean i suppose it's the water's slightly muddied in, in with their supposed interest in Lionel Messi and what type of contract it would take to bring him to to manchester but but De Bruyne, you go all out and give him whatever he wants because he's just
4: untouchable. All right. Who are Man City playing next, Karen? Who have they got in the FA Cup this weekend?
5: they got my team, Birmingham, unfortunately. I'm like, hand on my head with the form that we've got and then coming up against Manchester City, you're absolutely flying. So um, I think I'll be keeping my head down the weekend.
4: All right. Okay. Um, United, meantime, that's their fourth semi-final defeat in a little over a year. Uh, Fernandes wasn't able to give them the spark last night otherwise was it just a question of coming up against an excellent Man City defence?
7: I don't think we can be overly critical of United particularly on last night's dis- display I thought they did okay but but they were just up against a, a far more superior team on, on, on the night. Uh, a, a lot has been made of the semi-final choking aspect of it all and I, th- I think that's as many semi-finals lost domestically as Sir Alex Ferguson did over 26 years as manager but but the reality is, City were just brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and and I, 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 still think United have United have made great strides in their own way, um, and their league form is is outstanding. And you know, joint top could become top if they win their game in, in hand. It's uh, it's completely feasible that that, that that they'll maintain momentum on that level. But I mean, they were a bit helpless, rendered helpless last
4: night because City were just so good. Right. Karen, though, this semi-final choking aspect, is it a real thing that begins to get into players' minds, do you think?
5: Um, I think you look at the the teams where they've played in the semi-final, it's a bit harsh. Um, <laughs> like um, Dom saying, you, you're coming up against a City team that are just phenomenal at the moment, but um, it can creep into your mindset. It can. Um, and it doesn't help people like ourselves keep reiterating it and put it in their faces, but... In the dressing room, you'll just go out and you'll try and do your best because in day, Man United were on top form going into this game. They were confident, they were flying. Were they playing the, the best football? No, but they were getting the job done. And sometimes that's what you need to get into a semi final, uh, from semi final into a final. But I just think it was just a case of I agree, Man-, Man City was probably the worst time for United to play them, and they got beaten by the by the better side. And they do need to add one or two more players. Um, Maybe with that winning mentality, people that have been there and done it and have that ruthlessness, and, and that was a difference last night. Players were sitting Night to get the job done, and maybe Man United just need those one or two to add to that to help them get to the, to the finals.
4: Fair enough. What do you think of Spurs' chances against Man City in the final? Obviously, a lot can change between now and April, but Spurs coming off themselves a 2 0 went over Brentford. Slightly harder work for them. Uh, Brentford indeed thought they'd equalise but uh, VAR introduced in the Carabao Cup uh, at the semi-final stage just in time to disallow uh, what would have been uh, the 1-1 uh, for an offside kneecap or a bit of one I think.
7: I thought Brentford performed pretty well they were a bit tentative at the beginning but they grew into the, the game when they did test Spurs that was a strong Tottenham lineup. Which really paid due respect to a team that even Jose Mourinho at the end of the of the evening suggested will probably be playing Premier League football next season, and that that, that sums up the quality that Brentford have got. But but Tottenham did enough. They scored an absolutely outstanding second goal, mm. um, a wonderful through ball by Ndombele and a and a great run and finish from from Son. Um, and yeah, Sissoko's goal was well taken as well a lovely little burst into the in in between centre-halves to to head them put them ahead I mean it's it's great news for for Tottenham it really confirms what we all thought that Mourinho would would give them the platform to win trophies I mean he's now got to a final he he can he's now seeking to emulate what he did at Chelsea back in 2005 I think I'm right in saying it was 2008 the last time they they won a a trophy um, by winning the, the 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 league cup this competition under Juan de Ramos. I remember covering that when they Juan de Ramos' his team beat beat Chelsea and and I think Ramos admitted afterwards that he'd had a drink in the dressing room post match, a bit of champagne, and he he was presumably half cut when he came into the post match press conference and and told the world that this was going to be the first of first of a few because. I think he got two points from the first eight games of the following season and was out by October. So uh, hopefully this will not be another full storm for for Spurs and that Mourinho will will get them into a rhythm of of winning trophies.
4: Yeah, that two points from first eight games. I've not heard that before, so interesting. (laughs) Just on the subject of Spurs, Will Ryan, uh, I think echoing the views of many a listener, saying, I was shocked when I listened to Monday's pod to hear you guys say or the guys that were on then. Uh, Kane and some were the only two stars in the Spurs side. Hoyberg has been unbelievable this season. Check out his stats for the Leeds game alone, says Will. Mm, fair. Very good. Uh, well, a lot can happen between now and April, so not too much point, I guess. I was trying to guess who's going to come out on top when Tottenham take on Man City then at their old home ground, actually, Wembley. So uh, instead, let's move on to the weekend's games because coming up, Starting Friday, indeed, it's one of the great British sporting occasions, the FA Cup third round. At Paddy Power, we know competition for the remote control can be
1: fierce at the weekends. So, in order to give the non football loving occupants of your house something to do, here are some of our top suggestions Go for a walk. Walk the dog. Walk to the shops. Go cycling. Cycle the dog. Recycle the dog. Just go! All very good options, we say. And that's not the only one. If one leg of your 4 plus fold ACCA lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to five on each leg online exclusive. Exclude shop bets. TSNCs apply. plus
3: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kaye, and the very best football writers around.
4: FA Cup third round coming up starting Friday. Uh, 32 matches scheduled, of course. Scheduled, being the operative word there. Uh, it is a time of mismatches. Milkman on a mission posties on parade and lots and lots of patronising as teams from all over the footballing pyramid face-off, kind of like football, has thrown everyone's keys in a bowl on the table. This year, the FA Cup brings us the biggest mismatch the competition has ever seen in all its long and fruity years as Marine of the Northern Premier League Division 1, eighth tier of the English game, hosts the Tottenham Hotspurs at their 3,185 capacity Rossett Park Stadium. Marine have only ever reached the third round once before. Can they pull off what would surely be the greatest upset in the history of everything? What a salute the occasion. We've dialled up former Marine ball boy Simon Hughes, now of The Athletic.
0: 58. 58, 58 is Marine. Ooh. Just the second eighth tier side ever to reach the third round. 39.
4: 39, Tottenham
3: oh! Hotspur, the Premier
0: League leaders out the hat to play Marine, what a tie that is.
4: Hello Simon. Hello. <laughs> ball boy back in the day, before it all went wrong.
8: Yes, yes I was, I was a ball boy and a mascot. Um, oh yeah? Yeah, it used to be my responsibility to watch where the ball was going when it was kicked into which garden. And run down Jubilee Road and make sure that the, or Rossett Road, I should say, because it's it's flanked on both sides with Mm. terraced houses and go and get the balls. And then I became mascot. I did it a few times, actually, on the FA Cup run of 1995, 96. Okay, which, which lasted into the first round when they, they lost, um, I don't want to say heroically, because it wasn't heroic, they lost 11 to <laughs> to Shrewsbury Town, at which point I was never, ever the mascot again, for understandable reasons.
4: Okay. For this Sunday's game, is it going to be a similar operation in place in terms of ball boys racing down local streets <laughs> to to visit gardens?
8: You know what, right, that, that's a question I need to ask. Because um, they... they football's changed quite a bit in the last sort of 15 years, particularly Mm. in non-league football. It's not as much kick and rush as it used to be. When I used to do the ball boy role, there was quite a lot of balls that went missing because the ball was constantly in the air. Where now, you know, they, they do try and get it down on the deck a lot more. So I'd be intrigued to know actually whether they do lose more or less. I mean, they're they're obviously quite expensive. I think they're about 100 quid a pop. So they're obviously keen to make sure that they retrieve as many balls as possible. Well, indeed. You mentioned the the first round that they reached in, I think, 95, you said, the previous
4: best in this competition for Marine. The third round, like this year, in 92-93, when, as Mm you'll no doubt recall, Marine lost 3-1 to Crew alexandra This game here with Spurs, how does it rank in terms of all-time biggest games for this club?
8: It's it's the biggest, no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, I, I was at the the crew game in nineteen ninety two. Very cold night in January, and uh, they, they were comprehensively beaten that night. Really, and it was it was. I think had they got through to that to the next round, uh, they, they would have played Blackburn Rovers, who were then managed by Kenny Dalglish. Their manager, Rowley Howard, has a more famous role as Kenny Dalglish's window cleaner, and the snakes and ladders of the cup would have made them opponents. But Marine slid down the snake at crew. That probably would have been a, a bigger game for a few, obviously local reasons. Kenny Dalglish mm. being a former Liverpool manager, but th- this is this is by far, you know, outstrips any other game, uh, and right. just in terms of the, the distance between the two clubs, uh, which has grown wider because Marine actually got relegated a couple of years ago. This time, uh, the manager is of course Neil Young, which is nice because.
4: Marine playing Crosby, no? So, uh, but he's a railway manager, is that right? What, what does that true. mean?
8: He works for uh, Mersey Rail and he, he's, he's basically the site manager for all the, the different train stops on the Mersey Rail network. And in a previous incarnation, when he was at the um, when he was a Chester manager, they, managed, they actually gave him a, a year sabbatical because he was c- contemplating going full time with Chester. He's a, he's a really, really good manager, probably above Marine's level. I would say he's taken a bit of a, a drop to come to Marine, and after eighteen months of, of sort of a, 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 a well, quite a big transition period because it did involve relegation initially. Uh, you know that they're heading in the right direction again now, and you, I've spent quite a bit of time with them. Obviously, the last uh, the last week and last month really and. You can see that there's a lot of strategy there. You know, it's, I think there's a perception sometimes with non-league football that uh, it's still quite perhaps amateurish, even though it's it's obviously a semi-professional level. But, that you know, they're, they're as professional as they can be. And I was at training last night and they, they, they have got a plan for the Tottenham game. They're going to they're try. There's something that they're going to try, whether it'll work or not. Obviously, they'll need a fair amount of luck for it to, 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 to get anything against Tottenham. But...
4: What, what, I'm curious. What is it, beach balls or, or, or what?
8: <laughs> well, it, just in terms of the the the, the, the 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 sort of the tactics that they're going to possibly change, one or two things that they normally do, and they're, they're not just going there just to try and you know to, to to make up the numbers and have a nice day out. They are actually going to, I think, try and do something in the game.
0: Up against Dean Gherkin. is it going to be
8: glory? It
0: is, and
8: Marine caused the biggest FA Cup upset of this year's competition.
0: Barrigan oh with the free kick. Oh, and Raven was there and then beyond him a chance. And it's turned it in. It is. Would you believe it? Right at the death. Marine have
4: their big moment. They do tick a lot of kind of jaunty third round mismatch boxes. Uh, we mentioned Neil Young and his railway managing. Uh, you've also got a teacher, I think a bin man, and the total wages per week of the entire team is Less than £2,000, which obviously significantly uh, less than Spurs. In terms of finances, though, m- much like a lot of clubs outside the top tiers, this has been a-, a tremendously worrying time. How important is this cup run? What what impact is this going to have, even if it comes to the end of the line with this game uh, for Marine?
8: Well, I think it will change the next five years, if-, if not as much as the next 10 years, really, for them. Um, I mean, they're a bit well run club. I'd say that, you know, the, the, the quite conservatively run with a, with a small C. And a couple of weeks ago, the manager, Neil Young, signed a new a new three and a half year contract, which is unprecedented in really in, in non-league terms at that level, uh, I would say. So clearly he knows that, that, that there's some funding there to go and try and try and do better things on the pitch. I've spoken to quite a few people and the ambition is within the next five years to have a sort of a National League financial structure, whether that'll result in a National League placing is is, is another matter, but there are ambitions to get up the non-league pyramid. Um, And I think what this does is obviously just makes that possibility of that happening a bit greater. The club is in a reasonably good place before this. And that that's that, that's to the credit of, of sort of the, the, the volunteers on the board who've managed to ensure through quite a rocky period and an uncertain period in, in, in non-league football. They've done well to ensure that Marine's sort of long-term financial future was, was was going to be intact. But I would expect over the next couple of years, there'll be an improvement on the pitch for Marine going... Uh, and and hopefully get get back back up the leagues because they are quite a historical non league football club as you mentioned that they have had some some great FA Cup runs in the past they've for a period in the mid nineties they were probably the best club uh, outside the, the conferences it was at the time and I think that's where they need to. Probably try and get back to because they they've got quite a big following now. The attendances have have been good without the FA Cup in the last couple of seasons, and I think non-league football has become more popular um, than it ever has been. Uh, the attendances have been really good. So, in a in a normal world when when football fans can go through the turnstiles again, it'd be interesting to see how that that sort of popularity manifests itself in in the attendances it's just a shame mm. obviously we won't get to test that anytime soon
4: no that, that, that's that's true the, the club are running a virtual match ticket scheme no, to try and raise funds well, Simon uh, one last thing if I if I may there's been a, an impressive roll call of former greats at Marine uh, Jason McAteer Wayne Rooney's uncle Greg Roughly or Bogowski of uh, Guardian Football Weekly as well <laughs> who no. from the current echelon should we look out for on Sunday <sighs>
8: Well, when I've seen the games this season, I think one of the big strengths has been uh, actually from the fullback position. They've got a, they've got a, a right back called Josh Solomon Davis, who's uh, it was a former. I think he was a former athletics. Uh, he, he certainly competed at high level athletics when he was a, a kid, and he's always a very very good outlet. Um, and I think in terms of this, the context of this game, I think he'll have to probably play very well for Marine to sort of impress really because a lot of the sort of the, the width and the pace comes from him um, so he he's one that you know they should look out for and there's another midfielder as well called Josh Hamami who scored a lot of goals from midfield this season very good from set pieces his uh, his free kick led to the opening goal at Colchester which was put over the line by another player but it was a, a an excellent free kick and he's got a reputation for for his set piece ability, um, but they're, they're a pretty, you know, pretty solid outfit really. There's not many. You, you wouldn't really look at the team and say there's there's many weak links at that level. But obviously, there's an appreciation for the for the the jump in standard that who, who they're up against here. Um But yeah, I'd still expect you know one or two of them to to catch the eye because uh, you know I think I think as I said to you at the start of the conversation, I think non-league football now that. Players a lot, technically, a lot better. A lot of these players have played academy football to so a high standard um, and have managed to hang in there and still got the, the confidence and the, and the ambition to, to play at a really competitive level. So I'd imagine it'd be a back to the wall sort of game, but there will be moments of magic w- within that, I think.
4: Simon Hughes of The Athletic. There you go, Marine, keeping their heads above water. It's a must-see fixture. Will the subs be important? That's all i got. Uh, they've, they've also, I think, been doing well on merchandise, particularly to Spurs fans. Their shirts, I'm excited to say, are going to be sponsored this Sunday by The Athletic. And Jamie Carragher is also uh, chipped in. He's sponsoring their dugouts and their pre-match warm-up tops through his charity, the JC23 Foundation. They're called Marine. I've always been curious, and research indicates that they were named after the hotel on the River Mersey seafront uh, at Waterloo, just north of Liverpool, uh, where their founders congregated to, you know, set them up. That's why they're called Marine.
6: That's yeah. A lot of clubs were founded in bars in hotels. If you actually look at the history of football teams, but most chose a, a different name. So, I mean, for me, I guess Crosby Crosby's quite close to Formby, which is the only place in England that still has red squirrels. So you wonder whether Jose Mourinho will be presenting uh, Regu on with a with a red squirrel at any point, but probably not. Um, how, are to,
4: how are they able to? How uh, are they able to preserve an enclave of the indigenous squirrel? I'm not
6: sure, but it's. It, I've is it seen like asterisks? You know,
4: there's one kind of wood. All Britain? Yeah, not, not quite. No, one.
6: it is essentially that. It's the right. red squirrel wood in Formby. Um, so quite near to Kenny Dalglish's old house, I think. So the window cleaner probably saw one as he was. Yeah, ringing out his squeegee anyway we're we're, we're (laughs) digressing somewhat but yeah it does take me back to when when Wickham were in the non-league and um i remember we got drawn against west brom and the excitement and i think this is you know football's done really well the last 12 months to cope with with everything that's been going on but fa cup third round weekend is the one where we'll miss the the fans not being there more than any other i think you know the, the high quality champions league games or big premier league clashes it's not ideal, fans not being there, but the, the games are so good, you can kind of look past that. But, you know, Marine playing Tottenham at home and their fans not being able to be there is is really sad.
3: You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
4: All right, rest of the third round. Uh, 32 games, I mentioned, scheduled, of course, but I don't think we're going to see them all played. One already poised to be postponed at Southampton's, clash with Shrewsbury Town. Uh, As many as 10 members currently of the League One side have tested positive for COVID-19. Derby County, in a similar position, they say they're going to field an underage side in their tie with Chorley Town. Unfortunately, we'll probably hear similar tales from some of the other fixtures. But what is due to happen will begin on Friday or should begin on Friday evening with a very interesting All-Premier League clash at Villa Park as Aston Villa take on Liverpool, and we all remember what happened last time they went there.
0: McGinn, don't think the scoring's over, should be number seven here. Jack Grealish, surely he'll net this one. The skipper, yes! Aston Villa in seventh heaven!
4: One of the prospects, uh, particularly given Liverpool's very underwhelming form of late, of something similar this time. Karen, you were, you were at Southampton, for example, on Monday when Klopside side lost 1-0.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's not like they didn't play well. They just, for me, I was a bit like they had lots of possession, they had lots of crosses, they just didn't have that spark, which was really bizarre. Um, you know, Mane, Salah, Firmino, just, I don't think Forster had a save to make. And I was waiting for it, waiting for it. And they looked frustrated, they looked a little bit jaded for them. Um, and Southampton were unbelievable their intensity, their. The passing, everything about their performance was brilliant and they defended really well for the second half. But for Liverpool, they look like they need a few of their players back as soon as possible. They need mm. that spark and it wasn't there on Monday. And, you know, it's not ideal going to Aston Villa who are doing really well at the moment and have got someone like Jack Grealish that can open you up when you're playing with two midfielders as your centre-backs.
4: This I was asking before about whether Fernandinho moving from the back to midfield kind of changes the whole dimensions of Man City it's the same true when you take Jordan Henderson out of the midfield and stick him at the back as Klopp did on Monday
6: yeah I think so I mean some of Liverpool's best performances um before they sealed the title last season were with Henderson almost playing as the furthest forward of the midfield three um and he can also shuttle on the on the right flank and cover Trent quite well as well so I think it's not that he's bad at centre-half it's more that they do they do miss him in midfield and um you know Liverpool said that they don't think it's likely they'll sign a centre half in January because it is, is very hard to do. And you know essentially City and we talked at City earlier that them and Liverpool switched around this season, haven't they? Because a year ago City's defence was in tatters and that was what was costing them. Um, and a year on, it's it's the other way around. So.
4: so is it the defence that's that's costing them, or is it as, as Karen was saying that lacking that incision in the final third, they've only had what seven shots on target in their last. Three Premier League games, the last time they looked anything like Liverpool. Dom, you're chuckling right now. I just thought was... you were going to say
7: they've only had seven shots on target in the last three games and they were all against Crystal Palace and they all went in. <laughs> right.
4: Well, that, that was the game prior the to this one. run, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they left,
7: but basically left all their incision in South London, didn't they? That was the problem. All their ruthless intent was somewhere in Sellers Park and, and they haven't had it since. It's, it's been remarkable. But the balance is the key, though, I imagine. As in what Karen way? Yes. Well, if you have midfielders filling in at centre-half then your midfield mm. is lacking and therefore the supply line to your strikers is probably not what it should be.
5: I think it as well, it, it's it's leadership when, you know, it might sound a bit mad, but Jordan Henson, for me, I've noticed it for the last two years. As soon as he's out of the team, Liverpool are completely different. And even though he's gone back in terms of position, going from centre-midfield to centre-back, as a good, intelligent player like he is, he can play that role with his eyes shut. But it's like losing that centrepiece in terms of being able to communicate with his centre forwards. He was trying to communicate to him, but it was just the distances were too big. And you're right, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold didn't go forward um, against Southampton. He was really held back. There was only one fullback going forward against Southampton. Because why? Because Jordan Henderson can't fill in. But um, I think we've got to appreciate how difficult it will be for Liverpool to, to win the title. You've always got that. Everyone ups their game when they play the champions. They're not playing again in front of Anfield in terms of fans, which for me is like 10 points
8: <laughs> for mm. anything.
5: No one ever wants to go to Anfield in front of a full crowd. The times that we're in and the injuries that they've had, if they win it, this will, for me, this will be a better achievement for what they did last season.
4: Word of appreciation for Southampton, who took the lead, uh, barely, what, two minutes in, through the returned Danny Ings. How, how did you judge their performance?
6: Uh, it was a game of two halves for them, really. They, they looked really strong going forward f- for the whole of the first half. They, Liverpool did come out with a purpose in the second half, and they did have a lot of possession and quite a few shots, but as Karen was saying, you know, hardly any of them were, were on target, and it was just that kind of, kind of sterile domination, really. Um, and yeah, I don't think Southampton really looks in danger at all. Um, oh. Obviously, then we saw Hazenhutl... On his knees, weeping, which is always nice to see. Yeah,
4: that was that was a surprise, but as you say, quite quite touching. Karen, did you did you see him after the final whistle?
5: Yeah, because we're not, we're not too far, and he went straight down and started crying. And I was saying to my um, presenter, I was like, like he's literally crying, and it, it was quite emotional being in the ground as well. But we wasn't aware of why he was upset, um, so we had to kind of figure out what why he was. And I think it was just a pure emotion of kind of digging deep and getting such a result and against someone that he probably admires and they do have similar philosophies as well in terms of how they play but it was just it was I think as a player if I was seeing my manager give the energy that he gives on the side of the pitch and then gives that emotion I would want to play for him I'd want to run through a brick wall for him Um, so for me that that as a player I was like wow.
4: Excellent. Klopp had an emotional moment post game afterwards too when he talked about penalties, George B. Livingston asked whether that was his Benitez facts moment. I think that might be a bit of a reach but he's certainly got some answers to find.
6: I generally don't buy into fans when they sort of say oh the, the ref was biased against our team because it, it's not true and you know these things do even out but it, Liverpool were a little harshly treated I think in that game. There were a couple of challenges that you wonder why VR didn't you know didn't flag up and um so you could see why Klopp was upset. I mean the penalty thing, you know, United have had a lot of penalties recently, but Liverpool have had the most penalties in Premier League history and have had for almost the entirety of the league. So it's not like Liverpool never get them. And it generally comes in little kind of waves depending on how your team sets up and the and the players you have available. And you know, United's team at the moment is very much a sort of team that gets into the box quite a lot with with players like Rashford or players like Marshall that that have the ball and dribble past defenders so that you are more likely to get a penalty when that happens
4: mm. Villa then uh, coming up on Friday and 7-2 last time uh, how much of a full strength team do you think Jurgen Klopp will field in this game he doesn't usually in the third round but given Liverpool's recent form what he might want to try and give a bit of a spark uh, to their, their, their run of results Dom I suppose he has to balance that He he will know
7: the state of fitness of his players uh, and and the schedule that's that's coming up but I still suspect that it will be a weakened team it may well be a weakened team from villa as well of course um it's it's difficult for these for the managers at this time of year that they've just come off a very very crammed christmas program um there will be a lot of fatigue in the squad i mean for example that front three without having Yota available to sort of come in and and relieve some of the pressure. He's had to lean on those guys for mm. for a while, and maybe maybe they're slightly jaded, and maybe that is a contributory factor to to their inefficiency in front of goal. All of a sudden, right? Um, is Minamino
4: so, not an option? Do you think for him, or is well, he, he hasn't not, featured not... since
7: Palace, has he? I mean, mm. it's, it's strange that one, but uh, the implication being that he needs to to work harder defensively. Um, he didn't have to that particular afternoon, and and he did well. But but um, yeah, he is, clearly is an option, and and it, clearly he needs to adapt quickly if he's going to demonstrate that he is worthy of a place in, in in Klopp's plans.
4: Villa, meanwhile, for all your talk of them fielding under strength teams, are discussing Ross Barkley being back in the lineup uh, for this game, which would uh, be a big big boost. No, uh, Does anyone quite fancy Villa's chances here and make it through?
7: I think they're excellent at the moment. I, I know they they lost at United narrowly, but they've been superb for a while. Ross Ross Barkley being back is 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 huge, and and he will have his own personal motivation to play against Liverpool. Mm. Um, he was excellent for them in those first few months of the season before the hamstring pinged, and uh, I just think he adds another dimension. He he looked like a player that was finding his rhythm again after some stuttering form and and, and opportunities at, at Chelsea um I, I just he just looked the class a class player in that in that setup and very comfortable in the in the system that, that Dean Smith had him playing so I hope he I hope he hits the ground running I hope he continues to thrive because um he, he he's a he's a very 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 good player and he hasn't really been seen uh, very much over his 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 time at Chelsea.
6: Also the pressure's off Villa because they've um they've reached a major cup final in every decade from the 1880s onwards, except the 1930s. And obviously they got to the Carabao Cup final last year. So the 2020s is all done. So they can go out and play with a sense of freedom.
4: Well, we all know (laughs) what that means to a team. Great. That's coming up Friday evening then, quarter to eight, UK time. What else does the weekend hold? Uh, Well, I don't know. What are you guys excited about? For me, Crawley Leeds is one of the standout games, not least for the prospect of the post-game interview with Crawley manager John Yems, <laughs> uh, who's who's been on fire of late this was him after their loss to Millwall
0: We decided to play a slightly different formation today with Nadison leading the line what was the thinking behind this? Hopefully we win the game What will we take away from today's performance going into Gillingham on Tuesday?
2: I don't know
4: And this was him after the Exeter City game in October Do you think I give a monkey's of what people think with the decisions we make? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This, this rather more recent example of the genre.
0: The good thing is, we ain't going to
8: go around now thinking that we're Charlie Bananas. Mm-hmm. We've got loads and loads of work to do.
4: John Yems. So, uh, Yems v. Bielsa, one of the all time classic matchups, this. <laughs> Are Crawley uh, a potential banana skin, a, a Charlie banana skin, if you will?
7: <laughs> they're having a great season. I mean, they're doing really, really well. They're punching above their weights. And one of the reasons for that has been their shrewd use of, of the transfer market and I don't know whether Max Waters will be playing in in, in this game he hasn't actually appeared since he was substituted at half time on boxing day against Newport County um, but the suggestion is he, he look he may be carrying an injury but there, there was a suggestion that he might be on the move this month and this is a player that was released by Doncaster Rovers in the summer having spent a portion of last season out on loan um, he only made five appearances for, Don- for Donny and he went to Dagenham and Bromley on trials over the summer and wasn't, wasn't taken up, then went to Maidstone on trial um, and they were really impressed with him and they played him in a pre-season friendly against Crawley in which he scored and set up another goal and next thing you know he signed a contract on a free transfer to join Crawley, much to Maidstone's um, despair really. Um, 16 goals and 17 matches later, he's being touted to Championship clubs for over a million pounds. So that is pretty shrewd recruitment on on Crawley's part. Um, and he's played a major a major role in in propelling them up the League Two table this season. So so I don't know whether he'll be available for the for the Steve Evans Derby or the Harry Kuehl Derby this weekend or the Sanchez Watt Derby. But he's clearly um, he's clearly a player that's going to make waves at some point. The, the, the Dominic Polian Derby.
4: What's the name again, Dom?
7: Uh, Max Waters.
4: Okay, right. Uh, yeah, and I want to
6: mention Danny Bullman, who's very much at the other end of his career. He, um, I actually saw his Football League debut for Wickham against Bristol Rovers back in August 1998, when he charged down a back pass and scored with his bum. Essentially, it rebounded into the net. Um, he'll be 42 in a couple of weeks, and he's still playing, uh, you know, professional football, which is really impressive um, and pretty unusual.
4: It certainly is. Uh, very good. Elsewhere. In the third round fixtures, Newport taking on Brighton, Newport down in League Two, but they have uh, quite a few giant-killing exploits uh, to their name of late. they knocked not Leeds out in Round Three in 2018. They locked Leicester out in Round Three last season. They've been most of the season at the top of League Two, but they were overtaken this weekend uh, thanks to a four-game winless streak.
6: Fans of old-school pitches, um, Newport have probably got the most kind of boggy, muddy pitch in the Football League. Um, they even have games postponed because of it. Um, so if you're looking for a kind of old-style giant killing on, on a you know, glue-pot pitch, this is possibly the, the best option to tune into this weekend.
4: OK. Brighton, who will be visiting Sunday evening, are without a win in eight matches. Newport haven't played football since Boxing Day. Hopefully, they will be Sunday night. Excellent. What else catches our eye from the third round of the FA Cup? We've got some more intriguing fixtures, including Big Sam back where it all began and Arsenal Newcastle coming up next.
1: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com
4: slash courtside to learn more.
3: You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power.
4: Hey, here's Jay Phil with something important. If you had to compile a team of players, asked Jay Phil, who shared the same surname, which name would produce the strongest starting 11? Duncan, we're all looking at you.
6: Um, Well, you... Goalkeepers are the most specialist position, so you want a. Uh, so I'm going to say Jones, because Jones has got a lot of players in Premier League history, and obviously you've got Paul Jones that can go in goal, and then build from there, really.
4: That's a very good answer. Excellent. Back to the FA Cup third round then. Arsenal taking on Newcastle. Arsenal, the holders, of course. Newcastle, who haven't been the holders of any silverware since 1955. Karen, what's your thoughts about this?
5: I've watched them in Europe playing with the kids and I think the kids haven't let him down and now he's started to play them in the in the Premier League and started to get results. So hopefully he sticks with them and they get result for, for the club then in the FA Cup.
4: Mm. Excitingly, Moussa Ozil uh, might be escaping from his gilded prison at, at uh, the Gunners. Uh, took of him going to possibly uh, DC United or Fenerbahce. Interesting. Uh, what else catches your eye this week? Well, for example, your teams, Dominic, Duncan and Karen, We mentioned, Karen, the fact that it's Man City for Birmingham. Dom Wolves will be up against Crystal Palace. And I think, Karen, you're going to be attending that one. While Duncan, as you mentioned earlier, it's fellow Championship side Preston. Wow. What about Wolves Crystal Palace, eh? Dom, what on earth has happened with Palace? I don't know what you mean. We're unbeaten in two. Are you? Oh, good Lord. Sorry, I've <laughs> lost track of the narrative. Right, OK, you're unbeaten in two. Well done to you. Take that, yeah. Are, are um, you dreaming of a cup run? Well, the
7: last time we were absolutely slaughtered by Liverpool, we got to the final yeah. of the FA Cup that season. So, mm. obviously, we'll, we'll beat Liverpool 4-3 in the semi-final, if they get past Aston Villa on, on Friday night. And, and if uh, you get past Wolves? Yeah, there is a slight issue of that, yeah. Right, um,
4: although Wolves... Uh, and this one, I I do know, have only won one of their last seven games. <laughs> That's still, yeah, <laughs> still pretty good. Still pretty good. We shall see. Karen, you're going to be going along to Molyneux for that.
5: Yeah, I am. I'm excited, actually. I think two teams in similar boat, a bit inconsistent. Both got good squads. Um, I think Wolves are need a result, they need to kind of stop the rut a little bit in terms of their results recently and need to figure out and find a way without Jimenez. I know it's stating the obvious, but when you lose someone that gets you that amount of goals and, and is that consistent for how many years I've had him, it's difficult to, to try and play without him. But it's another opportunity and um, against a good Palace side.
4: Indeed. And your take on Birmingham Man City? I know you did mention this earlier amid much kind of head in handsness.
5: Yeah, I think it'll be the same. You know, keep my mouth shut because I can't see us getting a result. Keep my head down and, and pray that it's not, you know, a colossal defeat. But, um, you know, we haven't won now, I think, in quite a while. So, uh, in terms of in the Championship, we wanted a result. And now you're playing against Man City. It's uh, it's going to be very tough.
8: All
4: right. It's six games without a win for I Tucker Anchors Blues. Blackpool are up against West Brom. Why am I mentioning that one? Uh, Well, it's Sam Allardyce back at the first club that he ever was permanent manager at. Does Mm. this register with you? July 1994, he arrived at Blackpool. He broke the club transfer record on defender Andy Morrison, a player he described as a complete nutter. (laughs) Allardyce was sacked two years later by chairman Owen Oyston from a prison cell.
6: Yeah, this was Allardyce in his early full moustache era. Um, did okay. Andy Morrison later went on to play for Man City, um, possibly the heaviest player to ever play in the Premier League. He also once put his tongue into in Stan Collymore during a game, which in a COVID how era seems... Well, he, he, they were, you know, head-to-head in a kind of aggressive scenario. And Collymore claims that, that Morrison put his tongue in his mouth. So In his mouth? Um, well, I presume... It must have been his man. He said he put his tongue in me. So, uh, yeah. But that seems like a different world now, doesn't it, really?
4: I think even then it probably seemed like a, a different
6: world. <laughs> no, I think it was pretty de rigueur back in the, back in the 90s. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting one for, for Allardyce this time around, a much older, wiser manager, because obviously his start at West Brom has been very bad. Um, and, you know, this is obviously a chance for him to look at other options, um, and hopefully get a kind of moral uh, boosting win. But um, yeah, I mean, again, you could imagine Alaudai sort of not wanting a cup run as well because it would distract from the from the mission of grinding out the results to to come seventeenth. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens.
4: Well, loads of other fixtures due to be taking place this weekend. Among those that kind of a bit of a maybe, as I mentioned earlier, is the Chorley. A derby clash, surely from National League North, against Championship side Derby. Dom?
7: I mean, surely, obviously, that would be a huge, huge upset if, they, if, they, if they'd beaten a full-strength derby team, but it would still be a considerable upset if they beat the combination of under-18s and under-23s that are likely to attend the match. But I did like the, the, the comment from the manager, Vermiglio, um admitting that he didn't actually know that Wayne Rooney was a derby manager because he concentrates so much on non-league football that he doesn't actually pay much attention at all to the Premier League or Championship. So, but I, I, I mean, he won't be there, obviously, in attendance, but, yeah, it's a, it's a nice image.
4: Check back in with us early on Monday for our reaction to all, all of the games which actually go ahead. Uh, still to come today, we're going to be talking about some of the more intriguing stories from around the wide world of football. Just one or two of those now, actually. Mick McCarthy uh, has been sacked by Apple Nickers where he was managing. But only for two months. They'd had four defeats in a row and so have announced they're ending their cooperation with Mick McCarthy. Is this a surprise? Not too much. They've now had 13 permanent managers in five years. Wow. In other shop managerial news, who's in discussions to become the new Inter-Miami manager? That's right, it is Phil Neville. It's an incongruous uh, pairing, but not necessarily an unsuccessful one. Neville, who's still um, England women's team manager, but is due to leave that role in July. Uh, But he was hoping to take charge, I think, of GB at the Olympic Games this summer, as and when they actually take place. Let's see how it works out. Best of luck to Phil, if indeed he takes that job. Also a salute to Didier Lamkelze of uh, Rangers Europa League opponents Antwerp, who's currently in want-away limbo he's so desperate you may have seen this to force through a january move to panathinaikos that he turned up for antwerp training this week wearing the shirt of their bitter rivals and elect yeah way to throw down the gauntlet but they they wouldn't have let him in but i think the point has been made <laughs> which, which uh, player
7: was it james on the on the back of the shirt did you see i don't know did you know yeah yannick belasi oh is that significant no just to someone that we knew <laughs> Oh right, he I was can't. there on loan, I think, last season. <laughs> do you right. think
6: he? Do you think he asked for that shirt specifically, or it was one he could find? I don't know. <laughs> he's
7: gone into the club shop. He's ordered a yellow jersey yeah, shirt. Yeah, and they've
6: gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've gone. He's got got a plain one, and then they've gone. Do you want a name? He's like, oh, yeah, might as well get a name while I'm at it. And Good, uh, <laughs> spent the extra ten euros. Yeah,
4: Karen, from a, from a player's perspective, how unforgivable would that be if you were to see a teammate turn up at training with the the jersey of your arch rivals?
5: I've seen it happen. Really, I've yeah. I um, I was at Birmingham and uh, we signed someone from Aston Villa and they turned up in Aston Villa kit, and I was fuming. <laughs> I was proper fuming. I was like, "Are you sure?" Um, <laughs> and like, it, I like proper went mental and like, no one else seemed to react. And I'm like, "At what point do you come to a rival team and where I said, "There's just uh I can't say what I said, but I wasn't happy. <laughs> I was fuming, and uh, I was just like. Uh, where's your where's your common sense in that so um yeah I, that didn't go down well with me and they didn't start very well was, um, was
4: it an act of provocation do you think or had they just not no, been given think, the right kit yet
5: i think they were just like it was us women's football we didn't have any training kit and or we had didn't they didn't give her any kit for that time a lot like, oh, we'll give it to you next week because we didn't have a a lot of money or anything like that and so she was like oh, i've got no kit and i'm like, "But." Just come in shorts and t-shirt. Just don't come in Aston Villa kit to Burn yeah. City. Like, what are you thinking? Pants um, and Ting. And it took me quite a while to forgive that player from Brutally Honest. Like, I was just like, <laughs> started just completely on the wrong foot for me at the time. I was just like, nah. All right. <laughs> I was fuming. You can still tell I'm fuming now.
4: <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I'm surprised. But, you know, in, in many ways, uh, it, uh, full of admiration for your passion on, on that issue. Yeah. <laughs> Not an empty gesture then from Didier Lamkelzé, and we'll see what happens to him, uh, and his desire to go to Greece. Uh, very good. We've got even bigger stories than those from the world of international football coming up very, very shortly. James Horncastle on the line as well with the huge result midweek in Milan. First, though, let's get odds from Lee Price from Paddy Power.
0: Hello, listeners. Get ready for some FA Cup magic, so long as you like numbers, betting, chat, and dad jokes. Otherwise, the skip button's your pal. Third round weekend is traditionally the day of the underdog. Can Marine limit Tottenham to single figures? Can Timo Werner score a goal? Can Chorley beat Derby's youth team? Hang on, which John Moe's the underdog? Confusing. Picking out cup sets isn't easy work, but a less-known market could help you here. My old favourite, the double chance, where you bet on what won't happen, i.e. plucky underdog FC to avoid defeat against Premier League millionaires. So, for instance, Rotherham are 21-10 to not to lose, to Everton, or you can get eight to five but Barham would do the same against Millwall. Most relegation battlers did the FA Cup like a hole in the head, but at least West Brom should avoid another shellacking. Hey, I said should. It's 12 to five Blackpool beat them, West Brom are evens to win. Similarly, Sheffield United are four to six to beat Bristol Rovers who are seven to two to cause a shock of sorts. A few more juicy banana skins for you. QPR, 11-5 to beat Fulham. Stoke, 7-2 to beat Leicester. And Marine, of course Marine, you have to say Marine this weekend, are 70-1 to to beat Tottenham. And that would be fun. Bye-bye.
4: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. International action. Not sure if you were across this, listener, but Pochettino is in at PSG. He had his first game in charge Wednesday. He was held to a 1-1 draw by another former Saints manager, actually, Claude Puel, now at Saint-Étienne. PSG move up to second place, though, because Lille, who were above them, lost to Angers. There was a new manager in at Athletic Club of Bilbao, as we discussed on Tuesday's pod, Marcelino. They lost their opening game 3-2 at home to Barcelona, with Messi scoring a brace and that... Messi-Pedri partnership looking once again absolutely excellent. In South America, Copa Libertadores semi-finals. It's a big Brazil-Argentina or rather Buenos Aires-State of San Paulo clash thing going on because in one it's Boca Juniors against Santos. That finished goalless. The other one on Tuesday, Palmeiras did River Plate 3-0. We'll have the second legs in a week. Could be heading for an all-State of San Paulo final. Crikey. While in Italy, huge news as the top five European leagues lost their last unbeaten side when Milan went down 3-1 at San Siro to Juventus. It's their first defeat in the league in 10 months. And it heralds a return to form, perhaps, for Andrea Pirlo's Signora. Joining us now on the line is James Horncastle. Hey, James.
2: Hey, James.
4: Hmm. James, Juve won 4-1 at the weekend against Udinese already, but you weren't too impressed with that result. What do you feel about this one?
2: Well, I think they played better and they needed to um, because uh, they risked being knocked out of the title race already, I think, if they'd lost this one, um, because they would have been 13 points behind Milan. Um, so the pressure was on. And I think, you know, while Pilo and Fabio Paratici, the chief sporting director, kind of projected this aura of calm, players recognised that it was now or never. DiBalo and Chiesa were fantastic. Um, they combined for the first two goals and Chiesa's really come up big um, in the last two games. He was excellent against Udinese as well. And for 10 or 15 minutes in the first half, he was unplayable and really neutralised uh, Milan's well, one of Milan's biggest threats, which is Teo Hernandez, who I think this season has been the best left-back in the world, I think challenging Andy Robertson for that uh, that honour. Um it wasn't a flawless performance by Juve, by any means. I mean, Chesney had to make, I think, seven saves. Um, Ramsey, Bentancourt made a few mistakes. There was that controversy around, a uh, couple of controversies really, whether Milan's equaliser should have stood because there was a foul in the build-up on Rabio. But equally, Bentancourt should have been sent off 20 minutes from time. Um, but I think as Paolo Maldini said before the game, the stakes were higher for Juventus um, going into that game. Um, Milan could afford to lose and still be on top of the pile because Inter and Napoli lost earlier in the day. But yeah, I think some signs that things are coming together for Juve. But then again, we've said that after the Barcelona win and they need some consistency um, because as we said on uh, Tuesday's EuroPod, you know, they've got a big month of Sassuolo, the debut d'Italia, and the Super Cup to come. So they need to put in more performances like the one they did last night if they are to stay in this title race.
4: All right. Although it was nice... From their point of view, the fact that people like uh, Federico Chiesa, who'd had so many doubts uh, attached to his transfer from Fiorentina, should have been so impressive. And the fact that they scored three goals and uh, all of them were without uh, the involvement of Cristiano Ronaldo.
2: Yeah, Cristiano, I mean, he was very good at the weekend against Udinese. But in, in this one, he, aside from putting Weston McKenney through, and we should mention McKinney as well, because mm. he, he's pretty much turned up and every big occasion that they've had so far this season, scored in the Turin derby, scored in that great goal at the Camp Nou against Barcelona, which was the, the best win of, of Pirlo's managerial career. But aside from uh, you know Ronaldo setting, up, setting him up for a chance, he was way out wide on the left, more so than usual. Um, didn't really affect the game, wasn't in the penalty area. Um, but Chiesa, I think um, to see him now playing on the right... Um, he seems to be really thriving there and seems to um, just seems to be a really good kid I mean that sounds really banal but when he speaks after the game um, seems to have his head on his shoulders Um, was speaking last night about you know sort of staying back after training and working on shooting with Divala and uh, and Cristiano and uh, what seems to be paying off with what a couple of goals uh, uh, three goals and an assist in his last two games so uh, good to see
4: all right, Cristiano Ronaldo should mention one of the passes of the season in this game.
2: Yeah, the one for McKinney. Um, inside, yeah, it was it was uh, sensational, really. I think he must have taken out three or four players uh, out on the sidelines. He's still got moments. I suppose, yeah, I mean, he's what got 20 goals in all competitions this season for club and country. I think the other thing to point out about last night is that yeah, Morata wasn't there. Morata's probably been the most compatible partner for Ronaldo this season. And also, Cuidado has been one of their most consistent players, got more assists than any other player as well. Mm-hmm. He was ruled out with COVID that morning. Um, but then again, James, I mean, you look at that Milan side, uh, they were decimated uh, and they still played pretty well. This is the thing that keeps coming back to this idea that it's Milan's year. OK, they lost. But Calabria, um, the fullback who basically had to play midfield because everybody's injured or suspended. He was the one who scored a goal. He scored a brilliant goal for them to get them back into the game initially as well. So uh, we've got a great title race going on in Italy. Four teams, I think. It's, it's a really fantastic championship that we've got.
4: Inter only one point behind Milan. Roma four points off the top themselves and beginning to hit some real form. And Juve now moving up into four spot. Seven points off the top, but with a game in hand. Thrilling stuff. James, thank you so much for that update and we'll catch up with you soon. Okay. James Horncastle. You can hear James of course next Tuesday in the Totally Football Show European edition. That though is where we come to the end of today's cup tastic Totally Show. It's been a barrel of laughs, illuminating and entertaining. I hope for you, listener as well. Many, many thanks to Dominic, Karen and Duncan. Anything you want to add before we sign off? Magic of the cup. That's what it's all about. Thank you, Dom. <laughs> Thank you and thank you listener we'll be back early Monday with all the news and everything that's happened do hope you join us then and have a great weekend in the meantime
3: you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at the totally Show on Twitter and Insta check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app the C totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
2: The Athletic.